1: Contact our brewery sales team to provide you with the hop-related tools you need to craft your next great beer. For more information, visit hopsteiner.com. Additional support provided by... Get to know Proximity Malt. We malt superior, European-style, low-protein varieties grown close to home in Delaware and Colorado. Domestically grown, precisely malted to style. With our team of seasoned experts and two brand-new malt houses, try what's really new in malt. Check us out at www.proximitymalt.com.
2: Every beer has a story, and that's why, for over 95 years, Gusmer Enterprises has offered a full line of solutions, including equipment, analytical instrumentation, and processing aids, all brought to you from leading suppliers and backed by strong technical support. For the solution to your story, go to gusmerbeer.com.
0: Brewing Congress is finally here. It starts this week. If you haven't already registered, what the heck are you waiting for? There's even an option for free registration. Paid registration gets you access to content that would normally cost you hundreds of dollars, perhaps thousands, depending on where you would have been traveling from. There's only one place you can get a little appetizer of WBC Connect content, and that's right here on the Master Brewers podcast. During the next few weeks, we'll be chatting with some of my favorite e-poster session presenters.
3: So I just basically wanted to throw out a resource to, you know, some of the smaller brewers out there that are getting into canning and have no clue how can seams work. Um, Other than I put a crawler into a machine and I press a button and all of a sudden it's all seamed. If that's your livelihood, you need to double check that. You know, there is always a risk involved with putting beer into containers. Uh, cans are, and prowlers are no exception.
0: This week on the show, if you don't have canned seam analysis 100% figured out, this episode's for you.
3: Hi, my name is Rick Blankmeyer. I'm the quality assurance manager at Belching Beaver Brewery out of Oceanside, California.
0: Rick, there are few things worse than paying hard earned money for a six pack of canned beer. Only to discover when you pop the tops that the beer is no good. There are plenty of reasons why this might occur, but it can happen to any brewer of any size if they don't have a reliable process for canned seam analysis.
3: The seam, the, the canning process was kind of arcane, I think, to a lot of craft brewers, uh, at least to start out with. Oscar Blues really did enter into the realm as the kind of promoting that cans are craft. And uh, I think from there, it really steamrolled and snowballed that pretty much if you package beer now, you are canning. Uh, bottles have kind of gone to the wayside. And so quality inspections have definitely been an understanding how seeming technology works and what checks you need to use and the quality practices behind that has really evolved um, to the extent where it needs to be more mainstream now. And that was a frustration I had when I was uh, starting at Stone. Um, I had a really, like, I was really fortunate to have, you know, people like Mitch Steele and Tom Tweedy and Joel Grosser, who all worked at Anheuser-Busch and were able to help mentor me and kind of give me pointers and and everything that you need to check seams, make sure that it's uh, up to spec and it's not going to be a slow leaker or a quick leaker. And so I ended up learning a lot from that, but trying to struggle to find other resources out there in order to diagnose, uh, understand seams, make the right checks, understanding what checks I need to make. It was frustrating not to find the right materials for it, but uh, to understand that if I ask the right people, obviously I'll get the right answers. But part of what I wanted to create out of this poster was a place where at least you can get the most basic information about how to like do seam checks. What are the consequences of not doing seam checks and understanding what issues do come up if you experience like issues with your seamer. And I wanted this poster to kind of be that, you know, encapsulation of all that information and at least a a really easy way of doing that.
0: That's great, um, and David Garab's done a lot through Master Brewers with some of his uh, district presentations. I saw that you referenced one of those in your poster, so that's another oh, yeah. good resource that we'll point folks to as well. So let's talk about you're now at uh, Belching Beaver Brewery. Um, talk about your your that brewery's seam analysis journey. Did you um, th- did they spend a lot of time researching and preparing for seam analysis before they got started canning there, or did you come into an existing operation that needed work or, or what happened?
3: Yeah. Uh, when I went into belching beaver, they fully admitted that they really needed to have somebody had a lot of experience in beer quality, kind of step in and take over a lot of what needed to get kind of picked up along the way. Uh, belching beaver, when I joined was going through like an incredible and still is going through incredible growth cycle, which is great. Um, but we also needed to focus a little bit more on the quality as a result of that and the growing pains that result. And uh, we didn't have the brewmaster be able to just like, you know, nitpick every single process. He needed to rely on, you know, his team in order to, this is Troy uh, Smith, who's our brewmaster, to figure out exactly what's going on with everything. So I stepped in, uh, when we when I first came in, we were using a twin monkey system uh, with two seamer heads. And so, At that point, we weren't really checking the seams as much, um, if at all. Uh, I think the one one thing we had was a hand mic, which is a lot more than other breweries have, which is great. And uh, definitely the first uh, tool in the toolbox you need in order to do really good seam checks. Uh, I ended up convincing uh, the CEO who was and still is uh, um, really... Enthusiastic about making sure that I have all the tools that I need in order to uh, make sure our beer is the highest quality. He's very quality concerned and, and focused, which is great. And it's definitely, uh, you know, music to a quality assurance person's ears uh, in going into it. And so he, uh, we invested in uh, Seam, Seam, um, saw and uh micro you know microscope uh software from cmc cookie and uh it was uh you know i've been very familiar with that system and implemented it right away and yeah immediately we made some changes to uh, our seamers in order to get a better uh seam on there uh, we didn't really see any leakers uh as for on that system but it was definitely getting towards that because we weren't really doing the necessary checks. So instituting a quality program of actually taking the cans, checking them, you know, uh, tearing them down, making sure that the seams are looking good. And that's definitely what we had to go in and improve on a little bit and at least set up a better, more robust uh, and like actual regular checking system for our seams. And we eventually, uh, upgraded to a CFT, uh, 10, and that's a really nice system, uh, canning system and a good seamer. And it was good to have that, um, now with two, uh, like uh, two seamer heads that were high speed, understanding that any sort of adjustments we make to it is gonna really impact uh, the seam itself and understanding that we need to take good care of it. We need to make sure it's uh, lubed uh, you know, on a regular basis since we don't have an auto lubing system with it and to prevent any sort of other like mechanical issues from happening to the seams themselves. And so it was uh, definitely a learning process and definitely a really awesome uh, team team building exercise trying to make sure that we get all the packaging guys on board with doing the regular maintenance doing the regular seam checks training them how to actually read seams and so it was great it was a big educational process and having them understand this kind of arcane uh, very intricate system of uh, making a double seam in a can
0: awesome well, let's get some terminology out of the way what do the terms cover hook and body hook mean
3: So when you're looking at a double seam, uh, you're going to be looking at uh, what the cover is, which is part of the lid uh, or the end, as the can manufacturers like to say. Uh, That's going to be your cover hook, part of the double seam. It's going to be the top part that curls around the body hook, which is going to be part of the can body. Uh, the flanges, the little flat part that encircles around the top of the can is going to be your flange and that's going to be one of the basis of your uh, double seam. So your body hook and your cover hook are going to curl around each other uh, to form that double seam, which is um, a fantastic seal as long as your seamer's up to snuff <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, and calibrated in, right, in the right position to make that double seam happen. It's a very intricate process. You're dealing with thousands of inches in terms of adjustments on it, so you really need a good tool set that's uh, you know pretty highly uh, calibrated uh, to, in order to make the correct adjustments on there. So,
0: yeah, there's no there's no wing and seam analysis. <laughs> are there any other Are there any other terms that we need to know for this discussion uh, that you want to bring up before we get into some of the nitty gritty?
3: Um, seam height is going to be your most easily um, diagnosed like. When you have an issue with a seam, or if you're trying to uh, do regular seam checks, uh, your seam height's gonna be your one that's gonna be easiest to uh, perform with a hand micrometer. And uh, that's gonna be one of the big things you wanna end up looking at first is your seam height. Uh, A lot of issues that happen with the seams can be immediately diagnosed from that. So that's gonna be a big term that I end up using, Um, pin pin height is another term that I'll probably be throwing out there a fair amount, but essentially it's how high is the platform. The uh, turntable is, uh, in your seamer, uh, to, uh, the Chuck, and you're going to change your pin height depending on the size of cans that you're actually going to be looking at. So, uh, 12 ounce is going to be shorter than a 16 ounce, which is going to be shorter than a 19 two. If uh, it breweries out there end up using that can type, um, so that's going to be definitely uh, a little bit of key term right there that I'll probably be using a fair amount. Besides, um, you know, cover hook, body hook, seam height, uh, overlap. You know, understanding all these terminologies, and that's why I wanted to make more of a visual guide on my poster to figure out exactly, at least, show, uh, demonstrate p- to people what you're looking for and why you're looking for it.
0: Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, and like you said, the visual is is uh, really very helpful, uh, which we can't do here, obviously, but um, there are two parts to creating the seam. Why don't you at least describe to us what happens first?
3: Yeah. So when a can goes into a seamer, uh, the lid is put onto the can. And uh, when you see the uh, interface there it's actually a pretty good interface obviously if make sure that the diameters are correct on that but once the can goes into the seamer onto the chuck the chuck engages on top of the lid and then there's the first operation which is going to be the actual most crucial part of the whole entire seaming process once you get to the first operation it curls the um, top of the can and the flange of the body around and that starts coming, you know, turning into the cover hook body hook And it starts uh, forming what is going to be the basis of the double seam. And that's going to be the first step going in.
0: All right. And then, What's supposed to happen during that second
3: operation? So the second operation is going to be what is actually going to squish. Uh, the way I, I look, I tell and kind of educate our packaging operators is that what you're looking at is essentially you're trying to make like a turkey wrap, uh, where you're essentially wrapping, you know, your you know turkey and your I don't know whatever you put on a turkey wrap, avocados, uh, tomatoes, uh, all your fixins in there, and then the uh, that's your maybe your first operation. Your second operation is actually like uh, we're going to be turning it and and wrapping it up into your turkey wrap. And so the second operation is going to be what takes that first operation and essentially squishes it down to form that seal. Uh, so while the first operation is really super important in order to set it up, your second operation is going to be there to actually fully form the double seam, uh, on the second part. So you're going to have first roller and the second roller. First operation roller is going to be a little bit farther away from the Chuck in order to set up that first operation. Your second operation is going to be a little bit, uh, roller is going to be a little bit closer to the Chuck in order to really, uh, kind of squish that whole entire seam together. And to create that double seam and make sure all the compound and everything gets in there, so you don't ha- you have a leak-free seal on your can.
0: All right, I like it. I've, I've looked at these things in the past. It's never occurred to me just how much they do resemble uh, turkey wrap. So uh, I, like I,
3: it. I, I I usually go food uh, analogies for a lot of <laughs> things because not only is it relatable, I love food. So that's
0: yeah, it. fair enough. All right, well, Rick, a brewery that does a lot of canning uh like you mentioned earlier, might have a machine that uses software to do a visual seam inspection, but for the rest of us who need to sell a lot more cans to afford that, give us the tool list. What do we need
3: all right so uh first things first a uh, hand micrometer uh, and I put a and unfortunately, I have it up, but i don't uh, I don't have the uh part numbers on there i do I do have a list on the poster, but having a hand micrometer um in order to check the seam heights so is going to be your first thing you probably should buy. And it's probably going to be somewhere between hundred, maybe $200. Uh, there's different types out there. I know David Garab is a big proponent of getting one that is a ratcheting one because otherwise if you can squish it a little bit too much and you can actually like not get an accurate, measurement on the seam height because you ratchet you're spinning it down too much whereas a ratcheted uh hand mic can actually like at least like you feel the clicking noise and when it starts to struggle a little bit do that last click then you know that you've reached the measurement point of using that hand mic so that's going to be the very first thing like you know right out of the you know if you're new to brewing and you can only really afford a um you know inline system uh and you just have no idea how to do seams get a hand mic because that's going to help you dial in your first operation and second operation without buying you know twenty thousand dollars worth of uh, seam inspection equipment which is great um second thing is going to be a um spring gauge and at least for for what i would think would be a, a better way of um Checking your roller heights, uh, you're going to be dealing with adjusting your rollers to the thousandths of an inch, which is really you know just micro you know just very touchy uh, adjustments. and so you really want to get something that's very accurate that's calibrated well. Uh, Michi Toyo makes really good uh, spring gauges and so that way you can end up getting a spring gauge and figure out how high your rollers off are off your chuck. Um, one of the uh, little operations that we like to do in order to make sure that we have their rollers in the correct height is to uh, bring down the roller where it just barely touches the chuck. So you can't really spin it anymore. And then you use a spring gauge to bring it up. Uh, Your first operation needs to be about three thousandths of an inch, which is super tiny uh, above the chuck. And so if you just screw the roller up a little bit you're able to uh, negotiate that three thousandths of an inch above the chuck for your first operation and your second operation is going to be six thousandths of an inch above that um, so you can use a spring gauge in order to really accurately gauge that without kind of doing a little bit of a touch running a can through and seeing if it actually does what you want it to do in terms of your um, seam height measurements um, a planar gauge as a third piece of um, tooling that you should probably have in your arsenal to check seams. It's really useful. I know with most um, seamers out there and, Uh, engineers and companies that do provide seamers, they will provide you with a, you know, some sort of gauge to figure out how high you need to set your seamer in order to can 12 ounce or 16 ounce cans or 19 two uh, ounce cans, but getting a planer gauge to really accurately um, figure out exactly how high your can is and needs to be on your system is really useful In case that your little gauge or your little marker that the company gives you ends up getting, you know, hit or if someone idly plays with it and screws it down a little bit, all these things have happened uh, to me in the past. So it's really nice to have something that you can use a uh, pair of calipers in order to measure how high you need to be, put that onto your seamer and adjust the seamer accordingly. Uh, without really relying on something that could get out of calibration pretty quickly. Uh, Like, you know, it almost looks like a, one of the little sides of a fill valve that gets set to a certain height and and, then use some Loctite on there in order to, you know, make it stay in place. But as we all know, sometimes Loctite doesn't really keep it in place as much as you think it would be. And so it's easier to keep measuring and making sure that the uh, pin height is correct on your seamer. I would say, Uh, Out of everything, if you don't touch anything on the seamer rollers or anything else, uh, the biggest issue I think most people have with like leakers or anything else is not setting the pin height correctly, which is probably one of the easiest things to solve because all you have to do is bring up or lower the um, uh, seamer a little bit, especially on uh single seamer heads, uh wild goose, twin monkeys, casks, you know, those kinds of seamers. You can uh, adjust the height pretty easily on there because it is designed to run different size cans. And so you need to make sure you can adjust that accordingly.
0: All right. Pretty nice. Do um that's a pretty good list. Is there anything else uh that we left off that list that you want to talk about?
3: I think I mentioned calipers uh too uh enough to measure you know to the height of cans that you need to measure Uh, Because that's how I usually end up measuring the um, height of the cans or using uh, the uh, uh, spec list from a can manufacturer uh, according to what pin height they need to set for it. I'd use that, but um, cans, you know, having a pair of calipers, making sure that you adjust the planar gauge with those calipers in order to get the right height for uh, adjusting pin height. Plus having a pair of calipers around the brewery is not a bad thing because you're always measuring something.
0: Awesome. Okay. Well, Rick, there are plenty of can seem teardown videos on YouTube, but how about just describing the main objectives, uh, when doing a teardown?
3: Yeah. Um, I, I included in my digital poster, a really great, uh, teardown video, a manual teardown from cask and, uh, Essentially, what you're looking at when you tear down a can is what the wrinkle is on the seam, uh, amongst other things. You can measure uh, countersink depth and other uh, measurements, and it really does give you a better idea if you don't have seam inspection software, how your uh, seam is looking you can do a cross section kind of like shine, like a magnifying glass or look at it under a stereoscope to kind of see exactly what's going on with your overlap and your, uh, you know, cover hook, body hook of the double seam itself. But a teardown is a really easy way of doing that. And, um, it's something that I didn't really get into a lot when I was, uh, first starting out, but, uh, with can seams, but over a period of time, I really, Found some potential issues with uh, understanding what the wrinkles like understanding that you can see things underneath the um, or how the configuration of the double seam is uh, when you tear it down um, the measurements you can make using a hand mic you, uh, with a tear down. And all it really does take is a little, you know, pair of nippers in order to remove that seam. And as long as you follow the directions accordingly for all the videos that are online, uh, how to do a a teardown on the seam, uh, you could pretty much anyone can figure it out. And that's it's definitely one of those, uh, tri- uh, tools and tricks that is highly recommended in any sort of seamer school, uh, class or anything else that you end up going towards in order to learn more about how to uh, adjust seamers. And it's a real easy test for it. And, uh, it's, I don't know, as long as you're safe about it, use gloves and don't cut yourself on the sharp edges of a, uh, aluminum can or anything, then it's, uh, it's a, almost a fun little process to kind of completely tear something apart and look at it and make some quality-based decisions on what you find with it. Most of, I'd say 90% of seam issues uh, come because of the, um, uh, the first operations, not where it needs to be. It's not calibrated correctly.
0: I'm John Bryce, and you're listening to the Master Brewers Podcast from the Master Brewers Association of the Americas. Support for this podcast is brought to you by
2: Brewer Supply Group is now the proud exclusive distributor of Dingaman's Malt. BSG is thrilled to partner with the Dingaman's family and to distribute their superior quality malts to brewers, distillers, and homebrewers in the U.S. and Canada. Dingaman's Malt combines modern techniques with their long standing focus on quality and service to their customers and remains 100% independent and family owned. Go to BSGCraftBrewing.com to learn more. Brew Monitor from Precision Fermentation live streams data from your active fermentations, allowing you to remotely track dissolved oxygen, pH, gravity, pressure, temperature, and conductivity from any smartphone, tablet, or PC. Try it free for 30 days. Visit precisionfermentation.com
0: slash MBAA. As you might imagine, there still aren't any opportunities to gather in person for district meetings, but that doesn't slow us down. After all, Master Brewers, which was formed in 1887, has survived more than one pandemic. Spring and summer have brought us numerous webinars and virtual district meetings, many of which can be replayed on demand. You've heard me talking about the 2020 World Brewing Congress for several months now. As I've mentioned, it's my favorite industry conference. I've been looking forward to it since the 2016 WBC ended. Unfortunately, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, we won't be able to gather in Minneapolis as planned. As much as that stinks, there is a pretty serious silver lining. WBC 2020 is going fully virtual, which means you can access the world's most cutting-edge research in brewing science and technology easily and affordably from the comfort of your own home. Registration for WBC Connect is now open with information on both free and paid programming options. Visit worldbrewingcongress.org for details or check the direct link in the show notes. You've probably heard of or even attended one of the famous two-week courses that Master Brewers puts on each year in Madison. Well, those classes will be all virtual this year, which means you can now get the same education without spending money to travel and while taking advantage of 45% off course tuition. The Brewery Maintenance Systems course begins October 11th, and the Brewing and Malting Science course starts October 25th. The Master Brewers Podcast Working Group still needs representation from a few more districts. Look for details in the Master Brewers Communicator, or go to masterbrewerspodcast.com slash group. show do you want to comment um any more about um what exactly we're looking for and measuring in that teardown process and and maybe um a little bit more indications about what that what those wrinkles can tell you
3: sure uh when so when you double seam anything well essentially when you bend anything that's rounded Right, so a can is as a round can. It's a it. You know, there's a great video about how uh, can aluminum cans are very almost perfect engineered uh, containers. Uh, But when you do try to bend and round something that's rounded, uh, you're going to get wrinkles as a part of it. And you want to make sure that uh, with the wrinkles, you're looking for tightness essentially of how tight the seam is. Anything that's a little bit too tight on the seam is going to cause a uh, fracture in the seam and eventually leaking. So that's going to be one of the big reasons why you look at and do a visual inspection of the um, uh, seam as you do a teardown of a can. And so... Uh, Looking at the wrinkles is going to really indicate how tight that seam is and doing that wrinkle analysis, understanding, and I'll put a, uh, you know, an image about what the wrinkles actually look like on a um, teardown seam by what you're looking for is a gradual like wrinkle that, you know, you don't want them too big. You don't want them too small. Cause you, that's the other thing is that having tight seams is a little bit better than having loose seams. Tight seams will fracture and will cause leaking right away, which you can catch and hopefully adjust for before anything makes it to a pallet and into a cold box and into a distributor. But doing that, understanding that if it's too loose, then, um, It could look like a perfectly good seam until it gets to a a hot spot, um, the metal relaxes, the aluminum uh, is not as tight, and you're going to end up with slow leakers and uh, loss of carbonation and all the other horrible stuff that you end up getting at when you have an issue with the seams themselves. And understanding how tight or loose the seam is is super important with that. Um, So if you don't have the ability to get uh, seam inspection software and equipment for doing cross-section analysis and all the other fun stuff that I, I really thoroughly enjoy, doing the teardown is going to be one of your key aspects of understanding how tight your seams are and making sure that looking at those wrinkles and kind of evaluating it, that you're actually getting the right seam and not having it too tight, not having it too loose, just perfect.
0: And how often should we be checking our seams?
3: So I do, it varies on where you come from. Uh, Obviously, if you're doing like a very high speed, you know, 400 cans a minute plus, probably want to do it every couple hours or so, I'd say, Uh, just in case one of the seamer heads goes out of whack. And you have to do it for every seamer head too. That's the other thing. Uh, If you're just running like a single, you know, inline filler with a single uh, seamer, then yeah, you're checking the one seam. Uh, and, and doing those checks. And you don't need to necessarily do it as uh, as often, but I always like to, you know, as a rule of thumb, you do seam checks with DO checks when during startup, making sure that the cans themselves are filling correctly. You're not getting high DOs in the cans. And while you're at it, uh, do a seam check. Uh, just check the, um, get a hand mic out, check seam heights, uh, do a teardown real quick. I usually do a teardown probably once every um, two or three weeks or so on there, but I also use the seam inspection equipment ever, uh, actually trained up the guys on the packaging line to do that. And they do it every uh, time they start up. And I think that's a really good, um, rule of thumb to do as part of your, uh, initial quality setup for, any start of the run uh especially if the start of a packaging day if you, got, if, you know you run 24 7 then you can do it at the start of everyone's shift on that side and i think that would be pretty good if you're not also running high speed high speed you probably want to check much more often but for most smaller breweries that are just running single head um seamers in line fill i'd probably do it at the start of every packaging run <music>
0: If you watch some of the um, the the teardown videos that are out there, um, some of them will show how there's like a, a rubber compound that that um, is exposed when you when you tear down the seam. Uh, what's that all about?
3: Yeah, um, it's the uh, com- they, they actually that's what they call it is compound. It's nothing too fancy. It's just a. Uh, you have different kinds of compound, they're water-based and they're oil-based compounds. Um, you can specify, I think if you order your lids, which one you want. Uh, I don't think there's any sort of, uh, strengths or weaknesses to either of them. I think most of them though are, um, at least most compounds I've experienced are water-based, but, uh, the cool thing about compound is, is it, it's there to help fill in the cracks of your seam. Uh, if you look at the seam, especially if you look at some of the like, uh, um, uh, Barry well or, uh, like, uh, seam, uh, books out there, you notice that the seams themselves don't look like that they're, they're that tight together. And that's okay. Sometimes, they're, they're, if they're, they're not that tight together, that's actually a somewhat better seam because it adds a little bit of flexibility to the seam. To, uh, not too much, but enough that it won't crack being too tight, nor will it like kind of loosen up as much as you uh, or you know as it potentially could uh, if it gets warmed up. And so you end up with that compound, which helps fill in those cracks and uh, helps see- make a perfect seal with a double seam and and the double seam itself is a hermetic seal. It'll actually keep out pretty much anything, Uh, a crown and uh, on a a glass won't keep out, you know, all the air or all the oxygen from the atmosphere. It's a good seal, but it's not as perfect as a double seam. So uh, that compound helps it maintain that integrity and make sure that you don't have any leaks coming out of it. Uh, Even if your uh, seams are just a little bit on the loose side.
0: Okay, do you want to mention any other best practices um, that are relevant here?
3: Um, yeah, I, it's one of those things where, uh, I mean, I so I went to CFT Seamer School uh, last October. Uh, David Garab was the one that was teaching it, and that guy, I I, I can't say enough how uh, one great of a teacher he is, and two is like extent of knowledge in double seams and what his best practices were, and but you know along with double seams which is going to be one of if not the most important part of the uh canning process the cans themselves are super important understanding that you want to uh do- make sure that the receipt of the cans from the manufacturer is all in good order. Uh, one of the big tricks I learned is that as soon as a uh, truck pulls up to your docks with a new load of cans on pallets, have them open up the back of the truck right there and just take a good smell inside the truck. Because uh, it seems like a little bit odd and uh, more sensory oriented than probably what most people listening into this podcast would actually end up thinking. But Most of the time, can manufacturers are really good about sending, uh, you know, pallets of cans on trucks that are only used for, you know, transporting uh, empty can pallets. However, there are some times where they might get an LTL or some other kind of truck that might have been hauling fertilizer or paint. And... The cans themselves, uh, while hopefully uh, are completely sealed up with those uh, plastic uh, sheets on top of them, sometimes you'll end up getting um, some of that aroma bleed into the can and the can liners are designed to absorb uh, flavors and aromas and uh, not so they don't impart anything into the beverage that they are, uh, you know, that's going into them. So if you have a paint truck or fertilizer or what have you, you know, that was transported with those cans, sometimes those aromas can get into the can and affect the flavor of the beer that's inside the can. So it's always really good to do like a smelling uh, smell test, even if it's just an empty can, you pull off a pallet. Um, There's other tricks and uh, tips and tricks about putting that. Uh, can into a uh, glass mason jar that's been you know thoroughly cleaned and doesn't smell like anything, and put it into like a hot spot, like an incubator or your boiler room for you know a couple hours, and then smelling it and seeing if there's any off smells coming out of that. Doing that sniff test into the empty tr- uh, into the truck or on the can themselves is a really good um, quality check that not a lot of people think about when they encounter issues with their beer, they think that it could be something uh, in the filler or filter bright tank, something along those lines, but they not necessarily look at the, the fact that the cans themselves could potentially pick up those off flavors and smells from something else out there in the brewery. Or if you're in a brewery that's expanding and you have like a lot of construction going on, make sure those pallets are wrapped and, you know, keep the smells and other off flavors from getting into it from construction work. So that, that would be a easy best practice that anybody can do in my, and that was pointed out by a gentleman from ball that uh, was talking about can quality stuff, which is kind of eye opening for me. I never even thought about sniffing the cans themselves, but that's a really important part. Rick, is this process
0: any different for all the brew pubs out there who don't have a can line, but do have a Crowler
3: machine? Um, that's a really good question. Uh, I, I've done a couple of seam checks on, crawlers and i they do have the same obviously they, they use exact same process uh to seam crawlers than than it is to seam um cans i actually know a couple of breweries trying to get by in the pandemic by uh, using uh, basically filling 16 ounce cans off of the draft system uh and then seaming it on like you know one of the october uh can crawler systems and uh probably not the best i'd say method for reducing do but you know their do levels are pretty good and it's a good system but you need to make sure that seam is correct and breaking those down is going to be a little bit tougher just because it is a different diameter so if you do have um, equipment out there that does like seam saws or anything along those lines you have to either get a new adapter or just do a manual tear down yourself on that and i think and the process is exactly the same uh for that You know, going through that process of doing a a seam teardown is just going to be much bigger and you have to make some other adjustments to it. Uh, One of the biggest issues that I've seen with places that don't have a good seal or seam on their crawlers is because they aren't lubing the crawler machine uh, often enough. Um, That's actually one of the biggest Uh, points i think besides pin height and having that correctly set on a normal you know packaging can seamer would be to make sure that all aspects of the seamer itself are properly greased and lubricated Uh, if they don't spin right or if they spin too much then you can end up with a variety of other issues like skitters or uh, incomplete seams uh, especially if it doesn't go you know perfectly around the in this case, a crawler machine, uh, the rollers on there, uh, you would probably end up getting uh, leakers, slow leakers, that sort of thing. So making sure the crawler machine is, is lubed up correctly is going to be your number one, um, quality check there, I think, uh, along with a full seam tear down. And the process is exactly the same for it, in my opinion, uh, and what I've done in the past, it's just a little bit, um, you know, wider diameter of a uh, can system so but i think that's really important especially for brew pubs or tasting room only breweries out there is just you do the occasional teardown of a um crowler to make sure that everything's looking well but first off make sure you do your preventive maintenance and uh, regular maintenance on it and make sure everything's nice and uh lubricated and greased up uh, accordingly all
0: right makes sense Rick, your WBC poster, which we'll add a link to in the show notes, has a cheat sheet for troubleshooting seams. Let's talk through a few of the things that can go wrong and talk about how to fix them.
3: Sure. Um, so the, the biggest one I've always seen is uh, you have a excessive seam height. And for that one, uh, with pretty much with everything else, you will always want to check your first operation first. And I, you'll see that I repeat the similar uh, troubleshooting and uh, fixes along the way, just because most of, I'd say 90% of seam issues uh, come because of the um, a, a, the first operation is not where it needs to be. It's not calibrated correctly. So it's always going to be your, probably your first uh, check if you run into issues with anything. Um, seam height, uh, ex- having either excessive or uh, low seam height, Check the first operation. If you're not hitting your correct measurements according to what the manufacturer sheet is, and I guess that's another I'm gonna have a little of a side here, is that one of the very first things you need to do is have an easily accessible um sheet from the manufacturer, whether it's crown or ball or arda, that gives you the specs of the cans of, of the seams themselves and making sure that you adhere to that. Uh and so understanding where your first operation seam height should be. If you go through first operation and you check it on your hand micrometer and you're not hitting your uh, seam height, you need to adjust the rollers to make sure that um, you're hitting that correctly. Um, So that's going to be your seam height issues. Uh, Second operation uh, checks, very similar to that. Usually it's uh, either your second operation is too close, making the seam too tight, or uh, it's too far away, making it too loose. Uh, So once you get your first operation set up, check your second operation. That goes for pretty much any of the defects that I end up mentioning on the poster itself. And I would say that you just really need to double check that. and, And using the tools that I kind of put out there, that's going to be what you need to reference going forward with that.
0: Is there anything that you really wish you had known about can seam analysis, you know, before you had to learn it the hard way?
3: (laughs) Uh, That's a good one. Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, I, uh, wish that uh, actually part of the, and this kind of goes back and I'm probably gonna be a little bit long winded about this, but the accessibility of, uh, best practices when it comes to seams has, is, I would say, woefully not there compared to, best brewing practices, for example, best, um, even anything dealing with glass bottles or, uh, kegs themselves. There's draft quality manual that gives a perfect explanation how to balance a draft system. Uh, but seams, uh, it, you had to really know somebody in the industry in order to figure out exactly what was going on with can seams. Um, most of the, like, bigger beverage manufacturers have been using, you know, aluminum cans for a really long time, like, you know, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Anheuser-Busch, Miller Coors, you know, those uh, individuals. And so when it came to figuring that out in a craft point of view, you didn't have those best practices easily available. Uh, Still don't to a certain extent. So a lot of what I wanted to do with this poster and what I wanted to make sure was out there was understanding that one, there are resources available to people Uh, in my posters, you know, I would say a lot of the pictures, I mean, a lot of the pictures that I put on there is going to be specific to what I've experienced. However, the um, other um, resources are going to be more technical and available and uh, easier to kind of get, early, not easier, but uh, hopefully easier to get a handle on than in the past. And so, I just basically wanted to throw out. Uh, resource to, you know, some of the smaller brewers out there that are getting into canning and have no clue how can seams work. Um, other than I put a crawler into a machine and I press a button and all of a sudden it's all seamed. Uh I'm not understanding that you need to check it, uh, especially even if you're a small brewery, brew pub, you know, tasting room only uh brewery that All they deal in is crawlers and understanding that if that's your livelihood, you need to double check that, you know, there is always a risk involved with putting can or beer into containers. Uh, Cans and crawlers are no exception. And having the resources available out there to the broader public is going to be was one of my ideas here and not only bring my ideas, actually. I don't really have that many ideas. I base it entirely off of people like Dave Garib who are really, you know, they've been, you know, spent multiple decades in the canning industry, know exactly what they are talking about, but hopefully getting the word out that there are resources available. Cause there wasn't a lot for me that I could find and uh, beyond like some stuff from the master Brewers Association. But uh, real practical quality for people who don't have like huge quality budget or budget in general. Uh, I wanted to make sure at least some of it got out there. So people had at least a little bit of a resource available to them for can seam analysis.
0: That was Rick Blankmeyer here on the master Brewers podcast. If you're new to canning have never tested your crowler seams, or if your livelihood depends on the customer's experience with your cans, Check out WBC poster number 63, which Rick is presenting virtually and will be available to answer questions via chat at 2 p.m. Eastern during the September 19th WBC Connect e-poster session. As always, you'll find a direct link to Rick's poster as well as some other great resources like one of David Garab's presentations in the show notes. Look, I know you're probably zoomed out and totally sick of virtual this and virtual that. I know I am. But WBC Connect is not just another virtual conference. This is a meeting that I usually drop everything for because it's the most serious international gathering of technical brain power in our industry and it only happens once every four years. If you're serious about your career in brewing, you're crazy not to attend at least part of this. My Registration for WBC Connect is now open with information on both free and paid programming options. Visit worldbrewingcongress.org for details or check the direct link in the show notes. Are you enjoying the Master Brewers podcast? Let me tell you about a simple way you can help us keep making more. Take a minute to thank our sponsors. There's no way we could produce this show without generous support from sponsors like Hopsteiner, ABS. Hopsteiner, Proximity Malt, BSG, Gussamer, and Precision Fermentation. So please let them know you heard their message on the Master Brewers podcast and that you appreciate their support.